Pretty Good Business. Our guest today is Ria Patney, founder of natural wellness and beauty company Fushi. In this episode, we talk about how being ethical is necessary to be a sustainable business and the importance of long-term goals over quick success. Hi, Ria. How are you? Hi, Alicia. I'm fine. Thank you. You are the founder of Fuji, which is beauty destination for natural, organic and all around ethical beauty. Yes. So can you tell tell us more about Fuji? Yes, sure. So at Fuji, we, we are all about um, pure and ethically made, both health and beauty. Um, we hand blend our products uh, using fresh ingredients in our London workshop. Um, it began with the sort of combined cultural heritage of Ranesh, who is the also co-founder and myself, and from Ayurvedic family recipes that were handed down by our grandparents or that we grew up with and who sort of always in- involved the idea of blending oils and infusing herbs to create very pure natural remedies. And this is what we do at Fushi. So oils and herbs are the two pillar stones of what we create at Fushi. We we make both inner use and outer care products, um, say from herbal supplements to skin and hair care, uh, using our fresh pressed oils and our fresh ground herbs. Um, and in our London workshop, we still take inspirations both from the old and the new, and uh, we're just passionate about delivering very pure and honest, carefully created products, uh, both for health and beauty. So you have so many products. Where did this passion come from? And when did you decide that this was going to be not only a simple passion, but a business for you? So I think I would probably honestly say it started with Ranesh, my partner, who was always driven to start something. His background was in corporate sort of banking, which is the complete opposite of wealth and the holistic side of life. And he always was keen to be involved in well-being and achieving good health by using holistic remedies. Um, He grew up with his grandfather who always used herbs and managed his health with with, uh, natural remedies. And I, on the other hand, I grew up with Ayurveda um, in a family that was deeply rooted in it. I was very passionate about it. I still am, obviously, and yoga. So the core for us was to just bring all this wisdom and bring all these great remedies and knowledge and make them accessible to to our audience, to our customers. And we always felt that there was a, a lacking of really high quality, really good herbal and beauty products. Um, and I think, uh, to be honest, it was always about health at first. We always wanted people be able to improve well-being, live healthily. But then the brand organically grew into beauty. So we kind of grew up knowing how simple things simple things could make such a difference. And so really, it was just that traditional wisdom of the past, uh, which is often forgotten. Um, and, and, you know, we just wanted to bring that to a fore. And um, uh, we are still, I would say, contemporary and we innovate. We look at both uh, the old and the new. But yes, it was just a genuine passion for well-being for ourselves and for others. So you just spoke about Ayurvedic beauty. So yeah. could you tell us a bit more about the concept? And sure, because I mean we have we we hear Ayurvedic a lot, yes. but I don't think that many people actually know what that means. Sure, no, I'd be happy to. So Ayurveda is something I grew up with. Um, our entire family was very deeply rooted in it. 
I would just say that the Ayurvedic way of life is about balance. Um, so they are the three doshas or elements that are fire, water, and ether. And these elements exist in all of us. Um, and the idea is to maintain their balance with lifestyle and diet. So when one of these elements becomes far too dominant, the body becomes out of sync and is un uh, imbalanced. So it is when we experience the effects of that imbalance. And so beauty is very much related. For example, when you have excess, say, vata, which is air in our bodies, we will experience dry skin and fine lines faster. Uh, when we have excess pita, which is fire or heat element in our bodies, we may see breakouts, skin rashes or acne. So anything that goes out of imbalance will have a side effect. and. Um, when you talk about Ayurveda or when you view your health through, say, the Ayurvedic lens, you really quickly learn that skincare is not just about, uh, just down to the products that you use. It's about diet. It's about sleep, exercise, and your overall way of life. So beauty is intrinsically related to health. And uh, Ayurveda comes with historical roots and time-honored rituals for, say, skincare and, and also the understanding that each body has its unique blueprint, you know. Mm. But the skincare is about therapeutic natural ingredients, always freshly ground or created freshly to address like your daily, daily beauty concerns. I would just add here that um, Ayurveda beauty is about discipline. So it's not a quick fix. Um, it's about, for example, when you want beautiful hair, there has to be a dedicated oil head massage one to three times a day um, or face massage with oil, you know, regularly to see best results. So discipline and rituals, they play a big part in achieving natural beauty. So what would you say to someone that want to embrace this kind of, it's kind of a philosophy at the end, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's a way of life and it's a knowledge of life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just not to stay at the super, on the superficial part, but how would you, what would you say to someone that wants to approach Ayurveda in a more profound manner? Yes. So, as I said before, it's so linked that your your beauty depends on your health and uh, your health depends on your lifestyle and your diet. So just maintaining a balance in your life, learning a little, perhaps just starting out by learning about your body type, you know, what is what is more predominant in you. And then managing to keep that dosha or that element in balance would be your real basic start. And there's not a lot of changes you need to make. They're very small changes. It's just being, being a little bit aware about, you know, your lifestyle, what suits you better, what foods suit you better. And eventually when your health is at optimum, naturally your skin and your hair, everything starts to thrive. Everything is connected. Yeah. Your business is extremely sustainable and ethical. Can you tell us about the process of building your business and where did you start from when you decided that you were going to build, build it? Yeah, sure. So I think that everyone always starts from like one idea um, that you're most passionate about. And um, when we started Fushi, for us, it was about creating herbal tinctures that were um, designed for common health concerns and um, making them available as herbal medicine. That was actually how the idea started. But um, it's funny, whatever you start with and where the journey takes you is always different for everyone. 
So you start with a concept and then this grows and this evolves over time and you adapt to the environment and then you discover. And then I would say that it basically is a, it's a slow and steady process. And you'll see from, from when looking back into your journey from where you came to where you are. So it's not always the concept that you started with that stays. Um, although we still do the herbal tinctures, we organically grew into beauty, into hair care, into skin oils. Um, and I think the process for building a brand is a little bit slow and steady. It's very different from building a business, so to speak, because a brand needs nurture, identity building, a brand needs a personality. And so all these things evolve and come with time and um, you almost discover your brand as you almost discover yourself, obviously, and being very focused with your core, core values. So which was your first product and how long did it take for you to actually come up with the version of that product that was what you wanted? Um, so we started with um, the herbal remedies. We started with the herbal tinctures and I think we probably went through four to five different formulations before we finalized the product we were we, you know being small being a small company your testing is also limited and you have to work with the resources that you have the people that you have so it's uh it, it takes sometimes takes a little bit longer um, and for us it was about efficacy um, we wanted our product to exceed expectations and so this takes time and in a true test, thorough testing. Um, so yeah, I would probably say about at least four to five formulations. And with beauty products, we have say up to three to five maybe prototypes before we are happy. Uh, we're still very much a small brand, so we test within the team. Um, we try to test with different types of skin or hair types, and um, eventually, when you know all of us, we're very much a team effort. All of us feel, yeah, that's good. That's good to go. We then we then launched the product. That must be fun to work for you. For you, then. <laughs> yes, we have lots of little bottles to test and smell, and so a good nose is always handy as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, who does the formulations? Do you do them? Yeah. So it depends on because we have a lot of different categories. On the Ayurvedic side, I I do the formulations. So, for example, for the hair oils. Um, the hair care and things like that, where we need a bit more expertise, for example, our nutritional vitamin supplements, which need a you know, qualified nutritionist um, to make sure everything is RDA. We, we have on board a nutritionist, we have a herbalist. So we have a team of uh, experts. Um, and when we, do, we can't, we outsource it. But mostly we're quite self-sufficient within the team. And we're able to put our ideas through from start to finish uh, ourselves. Do you have a favorite product? I know this is sometimes hard to to answer. But... No, I actually do have a favorite oh. product. Um, yeah, we have oh, over 250 products. But my favorite product, I would say, is the really good hair oil. Um, and this is a little bit more special to me. I formulated this from a childhood memory because my grandmother always uh, gave us a head oil massage. It was like a routine thing every week without fail. And so every Friday we had this head oil massage and she used to make the hair oil herself um, using herbs, also uh, amla, which is Indian gooseberry. She used to infuse petals and decant this oil to create a very aromatic Ayurvedic uh, hair oil. 
So this product, the hair oil, is actually an ode to that and to her. And it's actually our top selling, uh, really, you know, top cult favorite, I'd say. We have people absolutely love it. So that's probably really special for us because it, it was just a, a gut feeling of what we thought people would like. But it works very well. It gets great reviews. And even I, I've always got it in my bathroom cabinet can't live without it's my favorite that's a lovely story as well so yeah it's a great story and it's 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 um she's no longer here but it's every time i use it i always do think of her you know Mm -hmm. it's like smells sometimes like you know when you smell something and you instantly feel like there's someone like next to you yes it's so true fragrance takes you it takes your memory back quicker than anything so you can take, you can vision the time and place where you used it or the, where you were, you know, it's like the smell of the sea and things like yeah. that just take you back on vacation. That's why candles are so popular. <laughs> yes, yes. And aromatherapy, which they're really good. has a lovely aroma. It has jasmine. And so I think uh, aroma is a big part of a therapeutic um, benefit, mm-hmm. you know, from Ayurveda. So even while you're a hair oil it shouldn't just be about the application it's about the experience so would you say that the fragrances are really important in your in your products when you i do i i believe fragrances are very important i believe both even men but i think women love talking about fragrance they love sniffing things you know although a lot of our oils are unfragranced because we're very much on the natural side we do aromatherapy and i think that especially uh, the idea of the therapeutic benefits of each fragrance, where it can take your mind, relax you, um, lift your mood. It's it's phenomenal. So they are very important. Because now you're, you've been in business for a while. What did you learn during the process of building your company as a sustainable company? We learned that it takes time and lots of initiative. So when you're building a sustainable brand, it, you, you're one of the few um, who are trying to do things right and, and you you need to do that much more research. You need to do that much more due diligence and you're constantly, you question the impact of your decisions. So it's not as simple as here's a product, let's put it out of the market. You think of every single ingredient, you think of the packaging, you think of how it got to you, how what you imported. Uh, when building a sustainable brand, um, you learn how, for example, green procurement is not always easy. And that packaging also has a long way to go before we have better options compared mm-hmm. to, say, plastic. So early adopters like us at Fushi, where we've taken the glass bottle into the, you know, our toiletries range, or we're trying to pave the way to plastic-free beauty, we found that it, it it was a lot of research we had to do. As a small company, it was hard for us to find new materials, to find materials that were biodegradable and able to store toiletries in or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Not always about the environmental aspect. It's also about the ethical side and the social impact and other impacts on the community. So you do... You do have to learn to think about all of that because it's very easy to say uh, we're a sustainable brand. Um, yeah, sure, you might use one ingredient that's easily uh, you know, available or regrown or recultivated, but it's not purely just that. It's the fact that what community does it come from? What, 
benefits do that community have by growing this? Um, what is the social impact? You know, things like that. Yeah. So you can't, we've learned you can't do everything at once, You but when the intention is strong, you do find a way and you evolve and you keep improving each day and, and you get that. Your company is really ethically focused and you do a lot to ensure that you have a positive social impact. Um, how how did you come about, you know, the growers that you use and how did you set out your company to be so ethical? Because I guess that's a part of, of it that is probably more complicated in the sense that, yeah, you can use organic this or that, but mm. making sure where the products and the ingredients in your case come from is also a step forward. So how how did you do that? So that is definitely a challenge. Um, so what we did is, um, you know, obviously we have a lot of products. But out of that, we have some of uh, sort of the top 10, 20 best-selling oils and herbs. Um, and we actually put aside some funds to actually go and visit those growers. We sort of did our due diligence on visiting these growers. How do they look after their workers, what is their ethical rating, in how, in what conditions do they produce? Uh, for example, do they, what type of fertilizers do they use? How exactly um, environmentally conscious they are? So it, it does take due diligence. We cannot do it with every single ingredients, but we were, we were very determined to do it for some of our top selling sort of big, bigger oils and herbs. And so, yeah, we made, made those trips until we were completely satisfied. And also we do our own research. So we're always looking, with, we, we try to contact um, local authorities. We try to find community initiatives. For example, we will source something that might perhaps might be a lot more expensive than the market price, but purely that it's a community-driven project, we will source that ingredient from there. And like I said, this doesn't happen overnight. This is a good intention, but it takes time. Um, and you learn you learn from there. You learn what to, to, what ticks the box and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And as I said, it's still an ongoing process. And our aim is to be doing that for every single ingredient. This pandemic has kind of through everyone in a bit in in in, in a weird place mm -hmm. businesses but even people do you think that after the pandemic or even now people are taking more care of themselves do you think they're gonna they're gonna really think about what they put on their body and even inside their body yes completely yeah I do agree with you I think that over the pandemic we learned to realize what is a priority um, and because our resources, we were a little bit limited on some resources, we realized that um, I've, I've, we noticed people cared a bit more for their well-being. We all began to cook more. We all began to take care of our homes a bit more. So well-being, uh, eating well almost became a priority, uh, although there was a lot of hardship, understandably, but for many of us, health took uh, sort of precedence. Mm -hmm we kind of um, realized what really matters, what's more important, yeah. you know. And I think health is one of them. So I definitely think that uh, there are some things we've learned and, and out of that we have learned that perhaps it is uh, our mental and our physical well-being need our attention. And they're connected as well. Completely connected, yes. So how do you see your company after this pandemic? Do you think that things will change? 
Yes, so over the pandemic, we realized, and I think everybody realized that uh, everyone was shopping online and uh, we were trying to get our groceries yeah. and all our food, everything delivered online. So we saw a massive surge towards sort of the online um, retail. And um, I think at Fushi, we've always been a very strong e-commerce brand. That's how we, we gave birth to the company and, and we've always invested strongly uh, we believe the digital medium is is very strong. So yeah, I think we will continue to strengthen our online presence. That's where we saw the growth over the pandemic, and I believe that that is where the growth will still be um, even post pandemic because we've learned a lot of things that can be done online. So we're now having our online classes, tutoring, all kinds of things. So it's almost that COVID has created a, a habit by default. You know, absolutely, yeah. During this whole process, what was the product or the project that you are the most proud of? Was there something that happened during the, you know, the process of building your business or something you came up with that was really, really stuck with you? Um, yeah, so there's lots of little things and big things that stick with you. It could be um, when you visit growers and seeing your ingredients come from, you know, all the way, say we went to find a Pukra coconut oil from Sri Lanka going to Sri Lanka, seeing how um, how the growers work, how hard they work, what is ethical procurement. It was just basically gaining that knowledge and making, making us um, the wiser for it and sharing that with our customers. Those sort of things, we felt like we were advocating uh, things like, for example, just going back to the coconut oil, um, monkeys are often used in lots of parts of the world to, to because it's become such a cheap commodity oil. And we were one of the first brands to discover this and highlight this to our customers and um, sort of, um, you know, disclose this. So the, these things really make us feel good, you know, to, to highlight things that shouldn't be going on. Mm. Um, obviously, our biggest customer, uh, biggest recognition we feel comes from our customer. So, when we get amazing customer feedback, or we get we won the platinum customer award, uh, these are these are great rewards. Even for example, just your s little email from a customer saying how do, you know better they feel after using a product. So you know this is a ten-year brand. So there's all these little feel-good moments that are some are big and some are small that are just dotted around in that span of time. Your ultimate aim is to make to to have well-being delivered to your customer and that they feel better for it. I think those little rewards come to us daily. So yeah, we feel good. So how do you? Because you do a lot in the company, of course. So how do you find new ideas? How do you come up with the new products? Is there a way you get inspired? Yeah, so um, obviously we, for me personally, traditional wisdoms and obviously Ayurveda inspire me most. And we're also very inspired by nature, uh, natural, natural ingredients. And um, we're always kind of reading um, and looking into, or uh, well, well, looking into Ayurveda, which give us sustenance. So it keeps inspiring us. New ideas come when you see and understand what your customer is going through as well. For example, in the pandemic, we we realized the customer, people are stressed. This is what they need. You know, this is what we need as people. We're all the same. So sometimes ideas come from customers, you know, and assessing their needs and what they're looking for. 
I've found that customer feedback in any business is just gold. You know, if you really listen to them, they are your biggest, you know, source of information. And at Fushi, that's one thing we always do is uh, many of our new ideas have actually come from our wonderful customers who said, do you have this or this would be great. Mm, or I have this problem, I guess, and can you, what can I do? Yes, exactly. And um, being drawn to natural ingredients, for example, when we hear about a new oil like the kakadu plum or the papaya oil or Uh, you know, we get really excited and we want to look into its benefits and see how we could include that in our products um, and share the knowledge with our customers. Big part for Fushi is education and it should be impartial. So even if we don't use it or use the oil, we still want to talk about it and tell our customers Mm -hmm. about it. Does it happen a lot that someone sends you an email asking you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, We do often get a customer's emailing us, do you have this or I have this condition? Do you have something for that? And it'd be like, oh, right. Okay, what can I suggest? Or do you think we should have something for that? So a lot of good ideas come from them. And again, we have a team and our team is passionate about well-being. Our team is very much, uh, we're all very much of the same mindset. So a lot of ideas come from within us, you know, uh, constantly our, we have our radars on. We know what's going out outside of our office. And so, yeah, we, we share ideas all the time. It's the ultimate really recognition to get someone emailing you as a brand asking you for tips and advices on something specific like a pain or something like that. I think that it's very nice because it makes you feel the customer trusts you. And if one thing I can give advice on any business is that trust, building trust is one of the most important things for any business. When a customer has, you know, begins to trust you or you you have their trust, you've already uh, really climbed over a massive milestone. So it's very nice that they trust us because we're not going to plug a product. They know we're not going to just plug a product for a sale. We're going to give them some very good advice. And if we don't have that product, we, we genuinely say we don't have that product. You could try this, you could try that. But, yeah. you know, it's always impartial advice. I think uh, truly as like I would give any business that advice is that um, stick to the core of your values, you know, whether it's it's not always about the sale. Yeah. Well, this was my last question, actually, if you had one advice that you would give a business owner or a wannabe business owner is that want to create a sustainable brand, yeah, an ethical brand or or anything that you wish you knew when you started and that would probably have saved you a bit of time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I think I wouldn't know what that would save us time. I think everyone has a journey and you're supposed to go through that, but I would say if anyone wants to start a business, I would say um, like do not trade short term gains for like a long term successes. You know, there is no short term gain. It's about the long game. So be ready for the long game. Build your value system from the beginning. Like at Fushi, we just knew from day one we want to do everything with ethics and um, it's only about well-being. So build a value system from the beginning and don't compromise on this. As soon as you compromise on this, you lose something, you know. And as you see that over time, those values manifest and they become the company culture and then you're stronger for it. Also, I would say be prepared to do your research, have patience, do due due diligence, ask questions to suppliers, you know, don't take their word for it and nothing is overnight. 
Um, and like uh, we believe that obviously you a business needs to turn a profit, but that shouldn't be your goal. If your goal is is on helping your customers solve a problem or make their lives better, you you will achieve the other goal anyway, but at least you will be kind of taking the right path towards building your business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. That was our interview with Ria. Thank you so much for listening and thanks to Ria for talking to me. If you liked this episode, please rate us and subscribe. It really helps. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram at prettyslow.life and prettyslowlife on all of the platforms. Thank you and goodbye.